Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. And as we sang that last hymn in times like these, and as we think about songs and sermons and all of those things that are important to us, that for somebody can say something or somebody can sing something, and it's a touchstone for us. And we look back at our lives and we recognize, and you know, this is what happened at this particular time. And it's our legacy. And the thing that we all need to pray about is, is that the church is losing its legacy as older people stay in the church and as younger people give up the church. It is a problem. And it needs to be on the forefront of our prayers every single day that God would use this church as a legacy for future generations to share the name and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth that is passed from generation to generation. Not because of morality, not because of merit or works, but because of your grace and your truth. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use us to continue to call people to your truth. I pray, Lord, as your word is presented this morning, that you might speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the 13th chapter of Romans as we continue not only our study of the entire book of Romans, but also for the 13th chapter. 11 through 14 was our focal passage last week. There's something else that I want to preach on this week in the same verses before we move on to the 14th chapter. But let's read 11 through 14 in its entirety. As Follow along as I read it. Paul said, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill It's lust. The primary point of last week's sermon, as I preached through these verses, was the fact that Paul was speaking to us as believers and to the church at Rome as believers, and he's telling us to cast off and put on. Cast off darkness, put on Christ. And I was fully prepared that we would start the 14th chapter this week. But there was something that caught my attention that I felt it was worthy for continued study here in our focal passage. So 14 will begin next week. But I want to focus on verse 13 
and we'll tie 14 into it as well. But look at 13 where Paul wrote, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now, I have a blue letter Bible phone app on my phone. If you don't have one after the service, put on the Blue Letter Bible phone app. It's a great app to have on your phone. I'd highly recommend it. My app defaults to the King James Version. And when you read verse 13, instead of it saying, let us walk properly, as in the day, it says, let us walk honestly, as in the day. And let me first say, as a brief aside, in the day is kind of a modern slang term, right? In the day, as in back in the day. That's not what he's talking about here. In the day, he's saying in the open, compared to when you look at what he says after in the day, not in rioting and darkness, not in chambering and wantonness in the King James Version, in the New King James Version, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust. Well, when do you normally do those things? You do them at night, right? So he's saying, live as in the day, in the daylight. But what I want to focus on is let us walk honestly in the King James Version, properly in the New King James Version, as well as the ESV. But as you look at the root word in the original language, the root word is for honorable. It's where we get the word honor in that particular context. In those two words, properly and honestly, I think are worth our study in the current environment that we find ourselves in. And so let's first think about our verse in the New King James Version. Let us walk properly. And Paul expounded on that because he first said it in the positive, right? Let us walk properly in the positive. And then he gave an exclusion in the negative. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Now, let's put this in proper context. And as Paul penned this letter to the church of Rome, what was the environment of Rome when he wrote this letter? As he basically said, don't live a life of liberal sexuality outside the marriage. Don't be drunk. Don't be lewd. Well, when he wrote this letter, Rome was very permissive of homosexuality. It was permitted. It was very common. For men, pedophilia 
having a child for men in the context of homosexuality was permitted and accepted. Prostitution was endorsed by the state and encouraged by the state. Homosexuality in prostitution was not considered adultery for men. Women were encouraged to be modest. Men could do what they wanted, except be caught in adultery. Adultery between a married man and a woman was frowned upon, but it was okay to go to a brothel and engage a prostitute. And it was okay for you to have a boy within the context of homosexuality. That's Rome as he's writing this letter. So it makes sense when you think about the context, the environment in which Paul pens this letter to where he says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Now, he says, let us walk properly. Let us walk properly. To a Roman who wasn't a believer, they would tell you that their culture and their society was proper. That it was proper to do those things. So for Paul, the Christian life in the Roman life are at odds with one another. There is a culture clash. Sound familiar in the world that we live in? If you go back to Biden's campaign for his first term, let me read you what it says on his website. As president... Biden will stand with the LGBTQ plus community to ensure America finally lives up to the promise on which it was founded. Equality for all. He will provide the moral. Let me stress that again. He will provide the moral leadership to champion equal rights for all LGBTQ plus people, fight to ensure our laws and institutions protect and enforce their rights, and advance the LGBTQ plus equality globally. And in fact, also on his website, They quote a 2012 Meet the Press interview with Biden. And this is what he said on May 6, 2012. He said, who do you love? You know it's him because of the echo. Who do you love? He says, and will you be loyal to the person you love? And that's what people are finding out is what all marriages at their root are about. Our current president and our current society believes that society determines what is proper. 
It's a societal thing. Just like Rome. For the non-believer, for the person who does not know Jesus Christ, society determines the norms that are acceptable. And the norms of Rome were just like the norms of today. It was a pro-sex, pro-homosexual agenda. Several years ago, we went to Pompeii. And as you go into Pompeii or you go to the museum that houses most of the exhibits for Pompeii in Naples. There's rooms that you go into as you look at the mosaics that are so good they're nearly as good as photographs. It's embarrassing because they were so sensual. This is the culture that... Paul is living in. It's the same culture that you and I are living in. And our current culture is saying that proper, proper is defined by society. No one else. No one else. Paul is telling us that God determines what is proper. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, it's Christ. It's Christ. And this leads me back to the King James Version, where... It says, honestly, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Now remember, honestly here in this context is where the root word is honorable, honorable. And also remember, that there's not a problem for society in Rome for you to engage with prostitutes or for you to have a homosexual relationship in addition to your marriage, that those aren't considered adultery. Now, when Paul tells us to be honest, when you think about being honest or honorable, it means that there is a standard. There's a standard. To be honorable, if you are an honorable person. So if I were to come up to you and I would describe somebody else and I would say that they are an honorable person, you would first in your mind think that they don't lie or steal, right? So there's a standard there. And, you know, a lot of times when you engage in business, you may ask another person, you may say, well, what do you think about that person? Oh, they're an honorable person. It means that you can engage with them because they have a certain virtue, that they're living according to a certain virtue. There's a standard. In Christianity, 
that standard isn't in societal norms because they change, don't they? They change. It's just like if you, back to my Pompeii example, if you go over to Pompeii and, well, at one point you're standing there and you're going, I'm embarrassed, it's time to leave the room. In fact, there's a disclaimer on one of the rooms that you go into. It says that you might want to not bring your children into this room. And for the Roman during that day, it's okay. Because they said as a society, these things are okay. Christianity is not like that. We do not have a vote, right? Or shouldn't have a vote on what we find acceptable, even though we see that going on in liberal denominations, right? Instead of looking at the word of God, they're having a vote. Well, this is all I need. This is all that any Christian should need. There shouldn't be a vote. Because we believe in an external, an external standard. Now, let's look at that into more detail as far as the external standard that we have. And I want to read several verses. The first one, let's go, still in Romans, let's go back to chapter 3, verse 19. It reads, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is being revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Now, let's think about that. Where did we get the law? Were the Hebrews gathered around at the base of Mount Sinai and said, hey, let's... Let's dream up ten things that will be good for mankind. Is that what happened? No. It was given to them from an external source. And in fact, to prove that, if you want to think about a group of people sitting around on the base of Mount Sinai, would they have come up with these ten things? Absolutely not. Because after Moses departed, what did they do? They were going back to the idolatry that they just left in Egypt. The natural man is wicked. He doesn't understand the things of God. And so the law is not from us. The law is from God. It is external. And the law and the word are embodied in the life of of Christ. John 1:14 it reads and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. 
full of grace and truth. Well, what's the law? The law's truth, isn't it? You want to know what God looks like. Jesus Christ is the express image. That's what the Bible says. He's the express image. And so you and I can look at Christ, and yes, we can be thankful that we have the blood covering and that we have grace, but we also have the perfect example of how humanity should live. He gives us the blood covering. He's not the enabler of our sin. He's the example of how we should live because he gives us victory over our sin. The law in Christ go together. And in fact, Paul wrote in Galatians 3.24, says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. In other words, when you think back in Romans, it says every mouth will be stopped. That external law exposes me and you for who we really are apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we're inadequate. We know that we're immoral. We know that we're sinners. We know that we are in desperate need of a Savior because we are incapable of standing before a holy and righteous God in our own merit. Paul would say in Romans that our righteousness are as filthy rags. The law is external. Christ is the word. He is the law. The law was given to us to Cause us to turn to Christ. Now, liberals who profess Christianity would say, well, you know, all of those things that the Bible's against, that was, that was just back in the day. You know, we've evolved. We've changed. We don't have to do those things. Let me give you a great verse for that one. It's Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Isn't it interesting that those two verses are together? Those two verses tell us that Jesus Christ isn't fashionable. He's not fashionable. He's constant. He's constant. When I turned 40 years old, my brother had gotten really close to taking out an ad in our local paper for my birthday. And it was a picture standing in front of a 1940 Chevrolet, which was my first car. And if you know anything about me, that that sounds appropriate. But as I'm standing in front of the car, I have my knee on the bumper, and I am wearing knee-high tube socks, short shorts, and I have an afro. And my brother told me that he nearly published that ad. And I said, 
your life would have been very short. (laughs) That was the fashion, wasn't it? We all wore tube socks. Not all of us had afros. But that was the look. Fashions change. Right? Fashions change. Societal morality changes. I mean, think about this. As Paul wrote that letter in the first century, it was normal to live a lifestyle that we would say was completely immoral in Rome. You could be an immoral person, and it was normal. Five centuries later, they would outlaw all of those things because they lived under a Christian view. It's what we should be praying for, is that society would return to Christ. And as we think about how society at this point has the audacity to say that you're standing for the rights of LGTBQ+, because you're moral, that's an insult to God. An absolute insult. What should guide us is Christ. Is Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, he goes, Therefore be imitators of God. Imitators of God. As dear children. And walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. In other words, God is calling us to use Christ as our model. And because you and I have the blood covering of Jesus Christ, because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because we have the power to overcome sin, we should model our life not out of morality, but of Christ. Of Christ. You know, if you and I go around and we compare ourselves with our neighbor, we always find out that we look pretty good, don't we? We look pretty good when you and I are setting the bar. Not so with Christ. But Christ is our standard. He's our external benchmark. He doesn't change. He doesn't change even though the world may think that we're antiquated. The church of Jesus Christ should use Jesus Christ as its benchmark. And we should stand and we should proudly proclaim the truth that we all believe in, that we all adhere to. And it's the only way that the church 
will be a testimony to a lost and dying world. Now, as we look at these verses, I'll say this also. Why in the world, and I'm guilty of it as well, do we twiddle our thumbs and do we wonder why the world is living an immoral lifestyle? They're doing what non-believers do. Yes, it's growing worse, just as Jesus told us that it would. But for us to want the world to get more moral, which I think is a problem with Christians, Christians will say, we need to get the world more moral. No, we don't. We need the world to become Christians and cling to Christ and look at the life of Christ and say, this is the example of God in how we should live. This is our story. This is the gospel. This is what we've been commanded to do. Morality, my friends, won't solve anything because it will change. The morality of society changes, but the word of God endures forever. Join me in prayer, please. Father, I just pray, Lord, that we might proclaim your truth boldly, regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequences, that we might stand and be a witness unashamed of your word. I pray, Lord, that we might be motivated by the fact that your son's precious blood was spilt so that we might have life. I pray if there's someone listening, that if they don't know you, that they might accept the wonderful gift of the blood of Jesus Christ, that they would ask for forgiveness of their sins, that they would repent and turn from their sins and turn to you and cling to you in your truth and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.